Hey, what's up, everybody? I just really wanted to quickly come and bring this in by myself uh, and just do a quick thank you to everybody at Newton Sunrise for letting me come in with all this gear. Uh, and I don't just mean the technical stuff. Uh, I brought a fryer to their <laughs> to their kitchen, and everybody was like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. So thank you so much to them. Uh, a really special thank you to the guest, John. Um, thank you really so much for sitting with me and having this conversation. I will come back anytime to hang out with you, my friend. Um, this was this meant a lot to me. And to anybody listening to this episode, I hope you enjoy it. This is probably my favorite episode that I've done in the nine months that I've, you know, since I've started this podcast. Um, it's really raw. It's really honest. It's a good conversation about life. So with that said, uh, bring me in Elmore. I'm so excited for this. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Dinner at Your Place. I am your host, Danny Calais, and I'm sitting at Newton Sunrise Living Care Facility with an amazing guest who I had just met last week. I walked in the door, and I talked to some people, and I said, I have this podcast, and I want to interview somebody here who can teach me about life. <laughs> and they directed me to this fantastic guest who is now a friend john glazy aka giovanni glazy welcome to the podcast how are you doing sir fine thank you you can call me john <laughs> that's well that is technically as you said the birth the birth certificate giovanni but now on the run from the feds <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for sitting down. Thanks for letting me make you some fried chicken, John. That was uh, I was really happy to have some lunch with you. And you, you know, made you made very good southern fried chicken. Thank you. That means the world to me. You said it was some of the most moist chicken you've ever had. And well, that's because you use chicken thighs. That was I did. smart. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of cheating. White the thighs meat, are, breast meat gets dry so quickly. That's why. That's why I was interested when James, the chef, was coming to hang out, and he said he prefers breast meat over thigh meat. I was like, dude, that's you're maybe, I think everyone, for the most part, who I've talked to about this, you know, chicken breast versus thigh, normally goes thigh. I think breast is more, it's an easier vehicle to include things, but I feel like everybody taste-wise will prefer the thigh because of that flavor. I like what you did to your hands when you were talking about... Oh, when I, I talk no, with no, my no, hands. No, you're doing like circles. I, I do talk with my hands. I thought they were talking about mammary glands. I wasn't sure. <laughs> So, fried chicken because you are an Alabama boy. As I said, when we were just hanging out in the activity room, I said, where do you want to record this? And you went, Birmingham, but we can't get there. <laughs> so, Alabama boy, how'd you, how long did you live down there for? Because you, you told me you were born in I was born New Jersey, in you moved to Sarasota, Florida. But it seems like Alabama has your heart. Yes, because I practiced law there for 52 years, mm -hmm. lived there. 60 years, that's where I met my wife, uh, had and raised a son, and so that's where lots all, of friends. That's where that's kind of where it all, even though, you know, Navy bopped around other places, Alabama is it, where you see John kind of came, became John, so to speak. Yes, Alabama, in reality, is not what people think it is. It is not a racist state mm -hmm. in any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. It may have been when George Wallace was governor. <laughs> But that's a long time ago. I think as we're, you know, just chatting a little bit about now, a lot of people don't listen. A lot of people jump to conclusions. A lot of people paint with a, a wide brush. You know, how we were saying before, nobody likes lawyers. You know, when you're defending car dealerships and, you know, nobody likes car dealerships, nobody likes lawyers. But painting with that broad stroke, people are people. People are different. Some are scummy. Some aren't. Maybe they're in a profession you don't agree with, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. I don't disagree with that. I'm happy. So being, you know, the Alabama boy, 
now back up here in in Boston. Let me just tell you this. Oh, absolutely. You don't refer to anybody in Alabama as a boy. <laughs> Alabama, sir. That's true. No, it don't have to be sir. It's just that they're very sensitive to racially insensitive terms. Mm, that's a good point. You don't, particularly with African American men or women, true. you don't. You don't I to things like that. I was saying, boy, just because Alabama. I just like the way that that you know the the alliteration. I understand sounded, you but nothing by it. You are absolutely correct. And these are these are the kind of things that it's great to sit with you and chat and be like, oh crap, well, you're right. I, I've handled lawsuits where African Americans were referred to by management as boy, mm. and that's a violation of their rights. Absolutely. I had one case, you're talking about violation of rights, you yeah. had, I had one case where an automobile dealership, the salesmen all were told by the manager to make a Christmas ornament and bring it in the next day and then hang it on the tree. Well, many oh of the men brought nooses, oh little boy. nooses. And an African American was offended by it, told them they were offended by it and they didn't do much about it. And then eventually, that man went to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, filed a complaint, and eventually was prepared to file a lawsuit if not settled. So did you did you take that case? Yes, I defended that case. How'd that play out? Did he? We settled it. You settled it. That's he paid some money for the injuries he yeah. claimed to have suffered, which are injuries of emotional distress and mental anguish. I certainly if you're going into work and you're you're tossed that that's definitely yeah. emotional and mental anguish so i apologize for for speaking loosely right there and no i just thought you ought to i know. appreciate no that is a very very good thing i mean it's it's very interesting now the and again boston 28 years old southern lawyer the way that I speak, as you picked up on it, I meant no ill will by it. Oh, of course. But that's the way the world works, and that's the world that you came from. You had a literal lawsuit about that phrase, as you just said. So thank you for stopping me. And, you know, as as I've said multiple times, what I've really enjoyed chatting and hearing you and chat about is the... Your heart seems to be very big, John. How you taking on cases, you know, defending people, making sure that no one's rights are breached. Meanwhile, as we've chatted a little bit, you're in this chair. Your rights were breached. I mean, you you chopped it up to a mistake, and you know, shit happens. So, well, I'm I'm just intrigued by, it, but. Let's go back to Alabama real quick because I would love for you to tell the story of how you met your wife. You've been married for 54 years. You are a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to how to make that relationship work. You know, you have the one word answer. So please start with, you know, the trash shoot. <laughs> I, I met I moved in from New York to an apartment building in Birmingham, one of many that were available. And my wife then, not my wife, moved in to an apartment building, even though many were available. And she moved into the same building on the same floor, the 12th floor, on the same side of the hall, right next to my room. The building had a trash chute at the end of the hall. A place to put your trash, it would go down a chute all the way down to the basement where it would be put into a dumpster. That's where I initially saw her and introduced myself to her and asked her just right off the block, uh, can I take you out to dinner tonight? She said to me that she would never accept a request for a date from someone who asked her for a date in a crash shoot room. <laughs> I was startled. I didn't think the girls in the South were as bitchy as the girls in the North. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to... I, I haven't known all the girls in the North, but I had a few dates of New York City girls, 
and they weren't anything like I was used to. Yeah. Well, I thought about just letting it go, forget it. But the next day, I really wanted to see her again. Her room was right next to mine. Her door was maybe 30 feet away. I went there on one knee, knocked on the door, and said, Miss Sanford, can I have the honor of your company at dinner tonight? She said yes. What a line. And we have been together since. What a line. That is, I mean, that is sweep off your feet material right there. Can I have the pleasure of your company tonight? That's so, that is, is beautifully phrased, not in a trash shoot. Good job. <laughs> well, we went, we went to a dining hall, a restaurant, and it was a not a particularly good date because, first of all, I had a hat on. Mm. I came down from New York, and it was in January or February. We wore hats in New York back then, so she thought I looked kind of ridiculous, as she told me later on in life. Uh, so it was a little testy. Are first dates ever good, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're always uncomfortable. They're always... Yeah, but I call them last dates. Ooh, okay. Yeah. But this was this was nice. She, she was a sweet, a very sweet young woman. Very smart, very articulate. Had a deep drawl, southern drawl. Uh, I learned she grew up on a farm. Wow, she, so she's a southern girl. For, a, a true southern through girl and through. Tuscaloosa County, where the University of Alabama is located. Yes, sir, that is a southern gal. She got a uh, full-ride scholarship to the university. For education? For sport? For, for education. Wow, smart, smart Southern gal. Yeah, she's very smart. Oh my goodness. And in financial need. Her family couldn't afford to put her in college. Wow. They were still running a life on a farm. Yeah. Uh, people were surprised to learn her background, and then the degree, the degree that she got after four years of college was interior design and home economics interior design coming from a farm that is an interesting yeah. contrast so she was doing that work at a furniture store in birmingham yeah. i was working in the daytime at the university hospital and and law school at night how old were you when you guys met 23 wow 23 and did you, like you said, you did you know right away? I mean, you guys were inseparable since, like you said, but did you just know at 23 that, like, this was your person? I had dated many people before, okay. whether in high school yeah. or college or when I was in New York. I had never dated someone that I was so enthralled with mm -hmm. so early on in a relationship. Everything I liked, she liked. Everything she liked, I liked. Whether she or I did, in fact, like the other's <laughs> statement or product or whatever, we said we did. Right, so you at least enjoyed the other person enough to, yeah. to uh, give it a shot or, you know, oh, have was, some oh, an uh, open mind to it. Two or three months into the relationship, I, had, uh, I got sick. And uh, I was running a fever. And she knew I was sick and in bed. Well, she came over one afternoon with a cooked meal for me. Oh. I mean, that just showed me really what kind of woman she was. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of what why I'm doing this podcast because cooking for people, how I said to you before, I think cooking for someone is a really good way to show you show them that you care about them because everyone needs to eat. It's a biological need. You're taking care of that for somebody. You're putting food onto their plate and saying here you go here's something that you don't have to worry about right now and when you're sick that's a cherry on top i mean you know she wants you to feel better do you remember what she brought you yeah she brought me some soup chicken soup oh my goodness. which was particularly difficult to make since we only had a single burner and a half of a refrigerator in our rooms <laughs> But uh, she did it, and it was delicious and And that, that goes gracious. to show the care, too, is that, you know, yeah. one burner, half of a refrigerator. Yeah. So twenty. this is post-Navy then, too, right, for you? 
23? Yes, I went to law school. Uh, when I when I started, I had been out of the Navy a couple of years. Mm, okay. And I was working at Letterly Laboratories in New York doing uh, basic research on medical matters. Yeah. Medical drug matters. I didn't like that job. I took it because I have an undergraduate degree in biochemistry. Had no idea of what I would end up doing. You can we can get into it now if you want to. We don't have to talk about what that job was, but I think it was very interesting. You know, as a young person dealing with that job that you had, it was interesting. But it's up to you if you. No, don't I, wanna, I don't. I don't mind. Uh, it's not like summarizing you, it in some way. It's not. It's not but like my you job chose, was to yeah. assist in dosing of a variety of animals with new compounds created by chemists that were thought to maybe be marketable for arthritis. And that would include uh, giving the animal something that irritated a joint so that then they could be dosed with the medicines created by the chemist. I didn't like that. I, I didn't like causing an animal to have pain unnecessarily. Especially, I mean, that's again speaks to that heart of yours where it's like i don't want to hurt this this beautiful beautiful animal and the well, go I, ahead. I didn't want to hurt the mouse either <laughs> which <laughs> it's the mouse mouse is a less than beautiful I, animal well <laughs> i mean I, I thought i was wrong of course but i thought there might be a better way to test the toxicity toxicity of med medications or potential medications but i was wrong I, I left which is i i i didn't know what i wanted to do but i knew i wanted to be a professional of some sort and you wanted to work for yourself yes so i applied to one dental one medical and one law school and i said whoever accepts me first that's fate well i was accepted to law school first dental school second and not I wasn't accepted in medical school so I went to Birmingham Alabama to the law school that uh, I applied to and that's how I met my wife the day I entered it was, a fir it was your day first day day one yeah day one. oh my goodness it was day one for her too wow wow day one you guys were like, cool there you are so, let's go hang out <laughs> even though I was born in New Jersey educated from the second grade all the way up through college in uh, Florida. Then in the Navy for a short run in the Navy. Then Letterly Laboratories in New York and then law school. And that was the end of my educational activities is three years in law school. I mean, you, that's so, and that's just till 23. I mean, the Navy, how old were you when you went to the Navy? 21. That, that is a senior in college, you know, and that's crazy now that but, I'm, but, but I'm if in I didn't, that. Had I not joined the Navy, I clearly would have been drafted. This right. is during Vietnam. Yeah. And although I was near, neither opposed to or not opposed to the war, I knew that my draft number was very low and it was likely I would be drafted. I didn't want to be in the Army. I preferred the Navy. And that was obviously, it's obviously not dodging the draft because you're still serving. Is that, that's just like an okay, you know, if if it's draft time in war and you know wartime and you join and you join a different branch yeah. the, the army's like hey that's that, cool we can't that, that's, that was fine huh okay there was some issue about the coast guard but i had no interest in serving in the coast guard mm. that you know like you said you'd rather have the bed than sleep in the dirt <laughs> uh, it's my stay my my service even though i got an honorable discharge of course my service was short because I got, I developed a heart murmur mm. and the physical, I couldn't pass the physical again. It's interesting that 
when they need bodies to serve, there's still these little things like, oh, you have too wide of a foot or, oh, you have a heart murmur. You know, there's very interesting boundaries and guidelines for who they can just say, hey, you have to come serve for us. They don't want to have somebody that has a condition that could ultimately affect the war. And what I mean by that, somebody that has a responsibility, for instance, for for getting an aircraft off of a ship, off of a a flat-top ship. Uh, So I was both unhappy and very happy. A a number of the people I went in with didn't come back. They were flying missions over Vietnam and getting shot down. That unhappy, happy, interesting is is a very... You know, it's an interesting contrast there because did you have the, obviously, as you said, people you went in with didn't come back. That's the unfortunate part of the meat grinder that is war. So obviously you're happy that you're alive, <laughs> but were you unhappy that you didn't get to serve how they did? Yes. I, I had mixed feelings about it. I was prepared to fight i was glad i didn't have to interesting wow that mental preparation then i mean as a 21 year old kid that must to get yourself in that frame of i'm going to go fight and i'm going to war i would have been a navigator on aircraft naval aircraft and then how do you how did you I guess get out of that mindset when they said you have a heart murmur, you know, were well, you were you at 100 miles an hour and then you just had to slowly come down? No. I was told before I started uh, basic training is not to stand out because the training is conducted by marine drill sergeants. Okay. Tough 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 people. <laughs> yeah. The second day I was there uh, I was working at a table with three other roommates and we were dyeing our shoes with black dye. A sergeant came in. We stood up erect and saluted him. And as I did that, my leg hit the leg of the table and out of the corner of my eye, I could see this bottle of black dye teetering and it fell over and all over one of his legs of his pants. So I made myself well known early on to a drill sergeant. Just the opposite of what I intended to do. Oh, what you were to told to do. Oh, no. What was the discipline there? What did he, how did, how did you get addressed? What happened after the, you know, the dyes on his leg and his shoe? When we had a conversation, I offered to pay for the cost of the pants and shoe. Honorable. He said, you will pay for it. (laughs) I promise. You will pay for it. And I did. I was singled out for exercises. I was singled out for duties. Oh, man. It was tough. And just to... I mean, clearly it was an accident. It's not like he took the dye and dumped it on him. It didn't matter. <sighs> it just didn't matter. And how? so you got that the whole time you were, you know, in training for? Was it six months or something? 11 weeks. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's... I didn't have it for 11 weeks, but it, the training oh, is God. 11 okay. weeks. Did he ever come come by after, you know, after the training and say, hey, you know... No. I... <laughs> Of course, why would why would why would that happen? Why would someone say I'm sorry? Well, I had it out for you, you after know, the training was in Pensacola, Florida, Naval Air Station, Pensacola. One of the things we had to do was be able to swim, and although it didn't happen with my group, during that same period of time, a group lost one of the members because he drowned. He told he told the drill sergeant, "I I can't swim." Yeah. Well, you're going to learn how to swim right now and you get in there. And every time he came up for air, he was pushed down again. And eventually he died. There was a big hullabaloo about it. I was going to say, was, did, did, 
did that march get like court court martialed or something? Like no, I no, I don't think I don't remember the result. My goodness, I know the young man uh, died. Yeah, so while swimming. I mean, you wanted to serve, but how did these? This is kind of a dumb question, but I mean, these instances of you know someone getting pushed to their literal limit, you know, you getting singled out. How did how did they make it so that you wanted to be a part of this branch of the military and it how did they make it seem so honorable meanwhile it was hell to be there? What is that how did how did they sell this idea to Well, they to that sell you the idea on the basis that your country needs you. You have to you have to fight for your country, and I was certainly willing to do that if I ever got the chance. Right. Thankfully, I never got the chance. See, and then there's that interesting twist again. Yeah. So you're you you were ready, but again, it's not in you know how you said you weren't opposed to the war, you weren't huh? for the war. You just I, I you would, just are above it and say like this is what you have to do for your country. I was very conservative. So I wasn't opposed to the war. Right. And if I was, I wouldn't have said anything about it. So when I got out of the Navy, I went and worked at uh, Pearl River in New York, Letterly Laboratories. And after I became disenchanted with that job is when I applied to three schools. Right, <laughs> the, the fate, so, fate so took now, the wheel. Now, now I'm in Birmingham, now I've met my wife. Yep. And uh, we literally were together every single day every single day, whether it was in the morning before she went to work or in the afternoon after she came home or in the evening when we went out. Neither of us had any money, but we had enough to go out and get a burger, you know. That's what matters, right? Crystal, just, just a, a burger. burger. Yeah. So, do you, what do you think of alone time then? Do you enjoy being by yourself? Do you? I hate every minute of it. Okay, so that's why, because to me, when you said I was with her every minute of the day, to me, that's you know, my brain says like, when when do you think? You know, when did you have when did you have a moment to yourself? But it seems well, like that sounds to you, like it sounds like you've talked to my wife, <laughs> because those are the kind of things she would say. You know, leave me alone, <laughs> go do something. So maybe that's... Listen, it was so bad at one time, I would go in the bathroom when she was taking a bath. I'd bring a chair in there and I'd sit so I could talk with her. Oh, that's... So you just wanted to hang out. You just yeah, wanted, yeah just be, I didn't be, want to be alone. Be pals with her, yeah. I wanted to be with her 24 hours a day. So what's the secret? What's that one word? Respect. So then when she says, get the hell out, I'm trying to take a bath... Do you respect that? Yes. Maybe that's why 54 years are still going strong. Well, the word respect is an interesting word. I mean, it entails a lot of things, including treating other people the way you want to be treated. Mm. If, if I respected my wife, I couldn't commit adultery. Of course. If I respected my wife, I couldn't be physical with her. I couldn't hit her. Of course. Uh, those types of things. We celebrated our 50th anniversary at a restaurant in Birmingham that was her favorite and my favorite. Highly regarded uh, nationally. What's the name of it? Uh, Highlands. 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 Highlands in Birmingham. Flowers on the table. Client was present, came over and said, what's the, oh. what's the celebration? I said, it's our 50th anniversary. He said, well, what's the secret? I said, one word, respect. He nodded. Then my wife said, and always remember, the wife is always right. <laughs> Which is probably more true than not. <laughs> Your wife, every story that you've told me about her, she is a spitfire. She has an energy to her that is, I don't take shit. I don't, I, I am going about my life and she respects others about it but she's like these are my boundaries as well i respect myself yes that story where what was it like three weeks in or something three months maybe you put a move on her when you locked yourself out of your apartment 
Can you tell that one? A few months into the relationship. Yes. I, it was three, four, five months in that time range. I thought I'd like to spend the night with her, and she was not willing ever to have a relationship before marriage. Do you understand me? I do, yes, okay. sir. I came up with this scheme <laughs> to have no shoes on. It was in the winter, so it must have been like March, maybe, or April. Not necessarily the winter, but cold. Cold. No shoes and only a shirt and a pair of, pair of uh, pajama bottoms and my keys left in the apartment. So I'm locked out now and undressed pro- not dressed properly for the, for the weather. Just going all in. You pushed, pushed yeah. those chips in the center of the table and said, I, let's do this. Oh, I knew it would, take, it would take all of that to have a chance. So I knocked on her door and she came to the door and she said, what do you want? I said, I've locked myself out of my apartment. She said, well, you're not sleeping here. <laughs> I said, well, well, I thought it might be able to sleep on the floor. No, you're not, you're not sleeping here. <laughs> I said, well, what am I going to do? I don't have a wallet. I don't have any money. I don't have any keys. She said, did you think about that when you came out in the hall? <laughs> so. <laughs> Those chips, let me have them back. Please, please. I don't want to go all what, in anymore. When I, what, I, what I ultimately did is I walked barefoot except for socks to the University of Alabama hospitals and clinics where I was working at the time. Slept on a gurney. You ever been on a gurney? I have, but it was after a long, long night, so I don't remember it, if you understand what I'm saying. I do. The gurney that I had the chance to sleep on was maybe an inch thick of padding. Nonetheless, I slept that way the next morning. Uh, the my particular boss or supervisor in our department noticed what situation I was in and inquired about it and I explained it and he loaned me some money to get a taxi to go back now that the resident manager was there and he'll let you in and then come back so that's that's how that ended and did you when was the next time you saw her like your wife you know after that that move did you see the her next later day. that oh you saw her later that day oh yeah she she wasn't upset with me oh she, that's she, also not that's lovely too she's okay. just like i don't she, want you to sleep here yeah it, those it, were her boundaries it yeah. was a matter of fact it wasn't a angry yeah. response yeah it was just these, in fact we laughed about it afterwards and it's a very funny story i would hope that it after, wasn't at the time well that's very that is also very reasonable after 54 years though i would yeah. hope that a chuckle can be had from that one and again it goes back to i told you this when you you know you told me that earlier that i find that very attractive and drawn to that type of you know confidence where that person says no, I believe this. These are my my boundaries. I'm sorry. We, you know, you are not not cross, like that. Self confidence to me is is endearing and and very well, very drawn. It told me a lot about her. Right. A lot about her. At the time, I was pissed. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to spend the night with a. Well, I would, I would have been happy just to sleep on the floor. True, yeah. Just and to she be could go near in the bedroom. I yeah. sleep on the floor in the living room yeah. area. Because you still just wanted to hang out with her. Like you said, you just yeah. loved being around her. Still do. I, I still did. do. I, I still do. Uh, so we went on from there. That's, and how you said, you know, the the big arguments never really happened, it seemed, that you guys always at least were able to have a conversation about the big stuff. Well, conversation. It wasn't an argument, but we would be discussing something that I want to do, for instance. Mm -hmm. And in the course of the discussions, it was obvious I was prevailing (laughs) with the facts that I was offering and the arguments I was offering. It was common for her to stop at that point, turn around and walk away. 
And I would say to her in a reasonably loud voice, because she's now maybe 20 feet away, we, we need to resolve this right here, right now. You can't just leave the argument. She turned around and said, I'm through talking about it. <laughs> she wouldn't ever let me have a true win because I could never get to a final discussion about the point that was at issue. As, as a lawyer, that's going to drive you crazy to not get your closing argument out. It was very frustrating, but I came to learn the things that she would be willing to engage in conversation about and the things that she wouldn't. You know, you, you learn boundaries. And I had respect for her, and she treated me with respect, even when we disagreed. That's, 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 it's, it sounds, I mean, when you say it, it sounds easy, but also at the same time so hard, just because, you know. Well, during that period of time, you know, divorces were relatively high in number, easy to obtain. Yeah. Used to be you had, a, had to have a significant cause before you could get a divorce. You can get a divorce based on adultery, physical violence, things like that. Now, you want a divorce, you're divorced. It's not working out. No. Yeah. The same thing is true about getting married. You don't even have a marriage license requirement anymore. It's true. You can just go you, online you can, and you just become say a I'm pastor. <laughs> you know? That too, yeah. Wow. So, so things are much looser than they were back in that time. So you had to, uh, you know, not necessarily, you not had to work, but you you stuck to your word of through thick and thin, you know, for better or worse. Yeah. And she still comes by every day, you said? I see her at least two or three hours every day. Oh, did you see her yet today? No, not yet. Not Maybe yet? Tonight. And tonight? Oh, well. It would have been it would have been earlier today, but. But I, but, I, ruined, but you, I ruined the schedule? Yeah, you ruined the schedule. <laughs> well, I apologize that I'm keeping That's you okay. for your best friend, but tell her I say hello. I would love to meet her one day. She sounds so fun. I'm not yes. trying to steal her from you, John. She's yours. <laughs> so, if you don't mind, because we were we were chatting a little bit about it earlier, how you were saying that's one of the things that bothers you most about being here is that you're not there with her. It's really the first time we haven't been sleeping under the same roof. That's the best way to put it. How do you sleep? I have my room. She has her room. No, I meant like, how, how do you literally, like, do you sleep well at night or you're no. just tossing and turning and thinking no, about, I, this I can't, is so strange. I can't toss and turn. I'm put it's to also, bed on my back and hardly ever move off that position and get up in the morning. Now, some, some days with all the medications I'm taking and I'm taking significant numbers of nerve pain yeah. medication uh i have a good night's sleep sometimes i might not wake up at all last night i woke up a few times and watched johnny carson on the today show i mean the tonight show yeah. 30 years ago that's one of the things when you said you know everything changes when you get into this chair that you don't think about and how what just popped into my mind where you said you were on your back everybody has their own sleep preference were you even a back sleeper no that's <laughs> i was a side sleeper sometimes a stomach sleeper but never a back sleeper now i'm either in the wheelchair all day i can lay it down some when i'm watching tv and yeah. those off <coughs> and i'm in bed 12 hours a day on my back you had such an incredible mindset too i mean everyone you know when shit happens and people say shit happens whether they mean it or not you saying that about this situation is is still to me the power of of what humans can get through in a situation because it was a mistake how i mean it's mind-blowing to me that you said it was just a mistake. It was, but it's a, it was, it's a big mistake. Oh, a devastating mistake. Uh, a one-second mistake 
has changed my life drastically and not for the better forever. This was I 2019, used to love cars. Said, right? I represented automobile dealerships. Yeah. I loved automobiles. Uh, I decided not to continue to take an automobile from a dealership as part of a legal fee because I had partners. Yeah. So I ordered a car I wanted, the car I always wanted, a Mercedes-Benz. I ordered it's one built in Germany. Yep. It had every option I wanted. It took th three and a half months to get it. I loved it. I just loved being in it and driving it. I can't drive anymore. I can't even get in a car, so I had to sell it. Broke my heart. That's the, I was about to say that's heartbreaking. We're, we were in a, in a house we'd lived in for 35 years, raised our son there, and just everything we wanted in the house was in that house, in the neighborhood we liked to be in. Well, it wasn't handicap accessible. Many of the rooms I could never get to. I had a bedroom, which was our master bedroom on the ground level, uh, or the first floor. I never needed the bathroom because I never used the bathroom. Right. The first year and a half or two years at home, I was such a condition that they had to use what's known as a Hoyer lift to lift me, to get me out of bed, to put in a wheelchair and lift me back from the wheelchair to bed with the Hoyer lift, with a canvas tarp underneath your body. It felt like uh, you were a sack of potatoes going, you're getting picked up. But at least I was able to have my backside on a different surface than the bed itself, which was a special bed. It had an air mattress. It wasn't just one inch thick of padding like that gurney. No, no it, was, it was a comfortable bed. I, I couldn't turn in it, even if I wanted to, because it was air, and it was more compressed under my weight than on my sides. So I would be down lower than the side of the edge, edge of the mattress because the air was compressed more. So I had to deal with that. And I had, to, I had to give up my career. Yeah, you were saying, you know, you'd still be practicing. I would, yeah. Because, I mean, sharp as a tack. So that's, and that's, that's another thing that is scary and shortchanged is that well, you, as, as you, I, you could still be a lawyer. Well, I am a lawyer. I could be practicing as a lawyer. Thank you. My apologies. No, you could right. still be practicing. You are still a lawyer. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't ever been disbarred. <laughs> yes, you are still. You could still be practicing. Then my apologies. In fact, in, I, in my room here, I've got certificates from Florida, where I was licensed, and Alabama, saying it was a congratulations of having fifty years of service without a single client complaint. Get out of here. That's no right. one ever was pissed at you enough nope. to say, Nope. This and, oh my God. I never let that happen. Wow. If somebody was dissatisfied with what I've done, and, it was, and I, I look at it and yeah, I could have done better, it was my responsibility, I would take care of that client. Yeah. Financially. I mean, just. And just make them whole however. That, that was, I think it happened maybe twice in my 50 year, 52 year career. Uh, no complaints though no that is I rarely ever lost it's not because I was a magnificent lawyer it's not that at all it's that uh, the jury trials got less and less because I put in the contracts with all my clients had with their customers a binding arbitration clause that said they were barred from going to court. They had to arbitrate with the American Arbitration Association. Now, that take, helped a lot. It took take a, it out of the jury's hands. Yeah, 90% it, it, of the cost of preparing a case for trial was gone. Now it's very inexpensive to prepare for trial. Uh, and the results are more predictable. You can't cherry pick an arbitrator, but you know who the arbitrators are. You know what kind of law uh, practice okay. they've had. 
So you have so you kind you, of tailor it a to, little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Man, see, you're still in the. You still have. Listen, I I miss what I did every single day. I wake up here and I have nothing of consequence. I have things to do, but nothing of consequence to do. Uh, at home, when I was practicing law, I'd wake up in the morning excited to see what the day held. You know, yeah. I get to work at six in the morning. I get all my paperwork done by eight before the office opened, and then from eight until whatever in the evening, uh, I was doing things that were different each day. And my wife came to work for me. She worked for me for 40 years while we were married. You get to hang out some more. <laughs> to hang out some more. I am really in, intrigued by that sentence, there's nothing of consequence, because a lot of, a lot of I think, where people's anxiety comes from is the consequence of day-to-day -day life, whether, you know, what comes from a decision you make or, you know, trying... It, trying to just get to that end goal without feeling a consequence, so to speak. You've got to realize you can't fight everything. Everything cannot be so bad that you have to try to change it. Some things, when you're living with somebody who had a different background, as I was, my wife was born and raised on a farm a house that had initially no electricity or outdoor plumbing or indoor plumbing, I was raised markedly differently. <laughs> so we came from different places and I had to come to the conclusion early on, pick your battles. You can't fight every battle. You can't fight every battle. It's, so accepting those consequences again, so you know, and the idea though that again going back to that, I'm trying to find where the cons like how you said that there's nothing of consequence. That though is what makes people keep going. That's what gives them the drive, so to speak, is that challenge, right? Is that putting your brain to work and solving a task, solving a problem where here, how you're saying you're busy, there's stuff to do, but there needs to be something of consequence, which is such an interesting word. Sorry, I'm picking, I'm, now I'm picking a battle here. <laughs> well, look, you can't fight every battle. You can't, That's if you want everything to be exactly the way you want it at home, live alone. Yeah, and then, when you share a house with somebody, when you share a life with somebody, you have to recognize you're going to have conflict, and you have to work through the conflict, not fight every one. You'll be bloody if you fight every conflict. My wife and I got to the point where, if we were having a discussion, not an argument, but a discussion, normal voices, and I had one position, she had a different. I tried to convince her of my position when it looked like I would. She would turn around yes. and walk away, and I would say, wait, wait, we hadn't finished. Yeah. She says, I finished, and that was the end and that's of that the, and, that's, and that's you picking the battle and saying, that's done, we're done there. Yeah. Wow. I am really happy to have met you, John, and I know that we have only hung out, you know, twice now for six or seven hours over that. Yeah, but, but you're a hell of a cook. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that because I'm sure you've had a lot of good fried chicken in your day. So to know that I, not, I rank not up since, there. Uh, not since nine, September the 9th, 2022. Wow. So last, last September, it's been a couple months for you. It's been about nine months. Wow. Who made the chicken? What was the... What's the story behind that? Just being in Alabama and Southern well, fried food? Yeah. Southern, and my favorite dish was fried fried tomatoes, fried green tomatoes. Oh, you got to try them. I don't think I've ever tried. Yeah. I don't think I've ever tried that. Just Do you batter them or anything or you just drop you, them in the fryer? No, you batter them. Okay. 
and then drop them in the fryer. Yeah. Fried green. T- have Have you done um boiled peanuts? Oh yeah, I've never had those either. What's that? The just peanut, soft, the inside just of soft? the peanuts becomes soft. Huh. Not like peanut butter. It's not sticky. Yeah, it's just soft, like maybe angel food cake that type Ooh, of. Ooh, okay. Delicious. Whenever we had a we had a house down at the beach, Orange Beach, Alabama, about a four hour drive from Birmingham, and my wife would start out about a, ten miles outside of town. There's a side guy a vendor that had hot boiled pe- peanuts, and she would always stop and get a big bag of them and, and uh, consume it in the four hours. But <laughs> but they're yeah. delicious. And I they're, wasn't gonna make it home. That delicious. peanuts are getting eaten in the car. <laughs> My son enjoyed them so much. We spent probably about 18, 16 or eighteen dollars to overnight him some boiled peanuts. Aww. He's up here now too, right? He's in Newton, Mass. He's in Newton, okay. How old is he? He's 41. Okay. And he's got kids, you said too, right? Your grand- We have two grandchildren. We have a granddaughter who's six, six years old and a grandson who's nine years old. Wow, okay. And they come here often as well? You get to see them? Not nearly enough. But yes, frequent. frequent. All right. I'll, I'll accept frequent. And I'll, I'll pick up their slack. I'll, I'll come hang well, out still. they're only four miles away. My son, in order that I could get into his house, had something built. There was no way to do a ramp because he's so close to the front of the yard, yeah. to the road. He had a device that's approximately four foot by four foot metal. I roll onto it then it is hydraulic, it goes up. The floor goes up to the height that needs to go up to, so I can then just open the door and roll off. So, you know, very expensive, made in Canada, but he did what he could to uh, make it easy for me to visit them. I'd love to hear that, and I hope... Do you, I mean, you said before sack of potatoes. That's how you felt. Using the Hoyer lift, I felt like I was being lifted like a sack of potatoes would be lifted. Because I'm I'm getting ready to get into a wheelchair. I've got this canvas, uh, piece of canvas underneath me, holding me up with the Hoyer lift, and I'm being lowered into it. I don't think anyone would treat a sack of potatoes with the Hoyer lift, though. No, I mean, it was just just the way I felt. Oh, of course, and I'm not deny. I'm I'm only bringing up that it's clear that people care and and want you around. Yeah, but she's not, not. I think that's true. Okay, but you still have personal feelings. Absolutely. I hate my life. Honestly, and I hate my life. That is completely reasonable. My life, I can look back and say I've had a great life. Lots of travel, lots of things I wanted to mm-hmm. do, lots of things I wanted to own. But then when I turn around and look forward, I look forward to a day like today, except without you. Tomorrow and the next day could be a Sunday or a Thursday, it just didn't matter. I have nothing really to bite my teeth on to move forward. I've got some hobbies, I play the keyboard, I love photography, I do that, and I build models, but that's, that's not the that's same not, thing. It's not the consequence, it's not that. No. that that's that busy work. Biting your teeth into, yeah. It's busy work. How do you push the busyness out of your mind then? If that makes, if you, know, you know. If you know how, please tell me, because I don't. Maybe we can find out together, how about that? I wake up in the morning now and it's, it's not, gosh, what are you going to do today, John? Who are you going to see? What court are you in? It's, oh, I have to have a bed bath by a female. Then I have to get dressed with the help of a female. And then I have to stand up and walk to the wheelchair with the assistance of a female. 
there's no there's no privacy in your no physical privacy anymore and it took me a while to get used to the fact that young women in the nursing field were gonna see you in this vulnerable state yeah and have to be yeah so i had to get used to that the walls are just gone my wife's living apart for me uh she and my husband and my son came to the conclusion that was best for her and i was in agreement i said to her look i hate what i'm going to be doing here now but i'll do it because it'll make your life better while i was at home she was with me 24 hours a day caring for me she hurt her back she hurt her shoulder she hurt her wrist you know i'm, I'm a big guy with a big heart too though and that's big the, well, I, I, that's big of you though because this whole time we've been talking about how you being around your wife makes you happy and to make that sacrifice for her betterment that's big you can't I didn't view that it that can't way. be overlooked I think it is big but I didn't view it that way how come I, well because she earned the right to have some time on her own she earned the right to pursue her hobbies. Yeah. She earned the right not to be burdened by me. She did that for a couple of years after this surgery, and it was really hard for her because I couldn't, when I came home from the hospital, I, my wife had to have a ramp built so I could get in the house. And then uh, the company that transported me had me on some kind of sheet where they just evened up the gurney with the bed and then rolled me off at some great pain. Uh, and her life was changed as much as mine or more than my life was changed. It didn't affect her physically, but mentally it was tough. So the thought of having her continue to care for me here was put out of the question. I have to have sometimes daily care, important things that's not being met by this facility, like changing of a colostomy bag. Yeah. Uh, Wait, they don't do that daily? Th no, they don't do that. I empty it myself, but when it has to be changed, it's not, it's not they, they do very few nursing things here. Mm. For instance, you know these pain patches you can get? Like yeah. salon pos. And oh like yeah, you just, okay. Four by four. Or four yeah, just like a little patch, pop it on or something. They can't even pop it on. They can take the peeling back, lay it down on the bed, and I can roll over to get it where I need it. Is that like a, a legal thing that they don't do nursing stuff, or is that by contract here? It's it's uh, It's a place where they're only here to help you mm. do the things that you do on a regular basis. They're not here to provide medical services. Now, for an extra $65 a day. They would put the patch on? They, they, no, no. They handle my medicines. No, they, don't, they don't do the patch. It's stupid, but that's their rule. That's a lot. Of, this is such an undersell of a word but so much of what you've told me of what you go through and what you have to deal with and the way that this country deals with disability and it's stupid it's such a you know juvenile word to use for such a serious situation but it's the easiest one to choose it's stupid and it's not fair. And I am mad about it, honestly. Well, the, the people that are called care managers, everybody who does any work for a resident, and they're not called patients, they're called residents here. And they will tell you that anytime you slip and say a patient, they're residents. And the care manager comes in, that care manager has no training at all or minimal training, doesn't have any certificates or degrees. So they have to do basic patient care, which is helping me bathe, helping me dress, helping me get up and walk to the uh, to this wheelchair, 
cleaning the apartment, making the bed, just general, almost routine. So every, everyone's just trying their best. Yeah. Now we've tried hi, we've tried hiring a company here that provides an umbrella kind of service. Yeah. Under their umbrella, there's a variety of doctors and nurses and so on, and uh, they're available, but not on demand. And if a bag fails because the base of it that's that uses sticky stuff to hold onto the skin, if that comes loose, you know what comes out of it. It's a mess. And what I have to do is I have to take a bag, like a large baggie, and tape it all around the device. It's, it's humiliating. It, it hurts me to even talk about it. And but I, I, the nursing I, service that we hired is not available on call. They can come, will come three times a week or come two times a week, but when it breaks on a Sunday at seven o'clock at night, yeah, I'm on my own. And it goes back, John, to how truly impressive it is that how you just said it hurts you to even talk about, it. it's embarrassing, it's vulnerable. And you said it before, shit happens. What else, are, what are you gonna do, complain about it? Well, complain about, I've come to the conclusion you should complain about things that might make a difference. Like with uh, the doors here outside don't yes. comply. Yeah, we're gonna get those in doors In my fixed. opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless somebody forces them through a lawsuit to comply with the law, nothing happens. So there's thousands of places where there's problems with compliance that never get resolved. It's a very steely reserve. It's an iron will, though, to just stare into the face of, you know, this card dealer who's given you a shit hand and to just say, well, shit does happen. I will play with the hand that I am dealt. Well, it wasn't a card dealer who gave me the shit hand. It was a doctor. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Are you just testing to see if I'm keeping up with the discussion? I'm just, that's how, again, that just goes to how I talk. I just, you know, imagine if a card dealer did that. If, if that I, would be, if I were that's to, a lawsuit. If I were to die today, I will not at all feel cheated in life. I've had a great life. My wife and I got married with zero money at all. We worked hard and sometimes together and did well. We traveled extensively. I've been to Europe 39 times. Uh, Traveled throughout the country. My favorite hobby back then was boating and I had a 46 foot cabin cruiser. Uh, I mean, I had a good life. So. I didn't expect it to end this way, but. I don't think. One of the guys, one of the doctors at the hospital when I was complaining about this is not what I had planned, he said the way to make God smile is tell him you have a plan. Say that, yeah, God, and then he spits on that plan. Yeah, he, he don't care about your plan. He's got his plan, which will not be revealed to you. No, until, until it's too late. time. Yeah. Would so? Would you say you know when you say I'm, you know, I I wouldn't have any regrets. Is the best way to not be scared of death to live? That's interesting. Well, I'm not scared of death. Right, it's because you've lived. I, I, I would think at this point in my life, uh, dying would be a blessing. I mean, I, what's your What's your vision of the afterlife? What do you hope it is? That's an interesting question. I was raised as a Catholic. I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know that when I die, there's been some magical transformation of me into a a spirit that goes to heaven. I, I don't feel that at all. I think when you die, 
it's like you've gone into a deep sleep. I don't think you'll ever wake up from. I don't necessarily believe in heaven and hell, even though it's religiously appropriate right. to do so. Uh, I don't think I have lived a life that would result in me going to hell, if there is one. If there is one. <laughs> so, I've played the cards I've dealt carefully. <laughs> John, I think, again, this sums it up too easily, but if no client complained about you in 52 years, I don't think you're going to hell. <laughs> I think you treated people well, and I think you treated them fairly. Well, somebody said that to me, that you'd probably go to heaven. I said, will all my lawyers be my friends up there? Hell no, they're all going to hell. <laughs> that's and that's where you want, you want to be with your friends, so wherever they end up, right? Yeah. John, we've, uh, we've touched an hour, and this is really awesome. Thank you so much for sitting, and I, I would love to come back and hang out whenever, whenever you want to chat, whenever you feel like doing it. That would be nice. I like talking with you. You don't have to cook every time you come. <laughs> I'll cook you some fried tomatoes, though, for next time. How does that sound? I'll have to help you, though, since you don't know how to do that. That sounds like a plan. John, I'm going uh, to hit stop on this, and uh, we're going to go off recording. You want to say anything else, though? Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Follow Dinner at Your Place. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>